Hey there, everyone. So I, I'm live here now on LinkedIn, YouTube, and Twitter, and I can see that some people are starting to filter in. Um, and I know that you're all keenly interested to hear about finance and CFOs. Let me uh, let me roll the intro tape as people as people funnel in. I'm David C. Barnett, and you're tuned in to Small Business and Deal Making, the podcast, YouTube channel, and blog where I talk about buying, selling, financing, and managing small and medium-sized businesses while controlling risk. So if you're looking to take control of your future through buying a business one day, or if you already own a business and you're looking to grow or exit, you've come to the right place. I talk about interesting things, I talk to interesting people, and I answer your questions every week right here. So be sure to hit like and be sure to hit subscribe, and let's get to it. Hey, everyone. Um, so today, uh, uh, Connor Abini was supposed to be here with me today to talk about CFOs and fractional CFOs and and at what point in the business you need a CFO. And unfortunately, this morning when Connor woke up, he emailed me to let me know that he's down with the flu. So unfortunately, he won't be joining me today. But uh, don't worry, we're going to have him back after Christmas. And I put together a different little agenda uh, for today's live stream, because I didn't want to let you down. I know lots of people mark it in their calendar and they take time out to to tune in. So what I've done is I've gone through my video question list. And so these are the questions that um, uh, Erica pulls together for me of all the comments you guys leave on different YouTube channels, as well as comments that come in on Twitter or via email that I use to then generate uh, videos every week. So I went through and I picked out a bunch of questions that uh, are are shorter uh, that we're going to be answering here today during this live stream. But I also have a few different updates and things that I want to tell you guys about. Um, and the the first big update that I want to tell you guys about, uh, especially people that are joining me live, because obviously you enjoy these live streams, is that uh, on Friday afternoon, uh, I'm doing my annual Christmas Eve special, even though it won't really be Christmas Eve. Um, but it's the most ambitious Christmas Eve special that I've ever done. I have a whole whack of people that are going to be stopping by and I'm going to be going, uh, over a four hour period. So <clears throat> the event hasn't been created yet, but, um, if you tune into the channel, it should be there for you to, uh, to put a notification bell on sometime this week. I've got, um, Giuseppe Grammatico, who's been a guest on the channel a few times over the last couple of years. Um, uh, Giuseppe is the franchise guide. He's going to be talking to us a little bit about the year in franchises and what we can look forward to next year. Uh, Rocky Lalvani, who is the host of the Profit Answer Man podcast, also a Profit First System coach. He's going to be dropping in as well. Uh, Mark Mawini, who hosts a podcast called Natural Born Coaches, is going to be stopping in. Mark's a good friend of mine, lives right here in town. Uh, who also runs an online business and has also been a guest on my on my show a few times. Um, Rick Nicholson, who came just, uh, oh, I don't know, about a month ago to talk about theft in restaurants. He's going to be coming in. Uh, he's been a guest on my Christmas Eve special every year, I think, since I started back in uh, 2019. We've also got Henry Lopez is going to be uh, a guest this year as well, talking about the year in business as far as what he's seen and working with his clients and what he sees for the year ahead. For the first time ever, um, the original business buyer advocate, Ted Leverett, is going to be stopping in as part of the Christmas Eve special on Friday afternoon as well. 
And this year's channel sponsor, Mark Willis from Lake Growth Financial Services is going to be coming in for a, for a little chat with us too, see what's going on with him. And then lastly, uh, Mike Finger, um, who I don't want to forget because Mike Finger and I have been spending, and, and Mike's been a guest on the show before too, but Mike and I have been spending a lot of time together because since the end of August, we've been working on a new podcast project ourselves. And let me, let me throw this picture up here. Uh, a new podcast project called Your Exit Squad. And we have now completed the recording of season one. Um, I would remind you guys that if you if you want to tune into this new show, go to yourexitsquad.com. That'll bring you right over to the YouTube main page for the channel. Click the subscribe button over there. We are going to start releasing episodes in the middle of January, and I believe we've settled on Monday to be the release date of each show. We have 13 episodes recorded. The format, like the whole show is about exits and it's for small business owners. If you're interested in buying a business though, I, I would recommend that you tune in because it's gonna give you a firsthand look at some of the experiences that these business owners have been going through as they've been operating their businesses, you're going to get to hear these stories directly from them. So there's there's basically two kinds of content on the channel. There are the self-contained exit stories, of which we recorded a couple, where these are business owners who have exited that told us the story of their business, how it went, and what ultimately ended up leading to their exit and how that went. So they're sharing their story. But then we also have three small business guests who met with Mike and I to talk about their small business and what their aspirations are, what they hope to be able to do. And then we matched them up with some small business experts, coaches, consultants, et cetera, to work together. And so this is why the, the season spans several months of, of filming time, as it were, because these people worked together over a few months and then we had them come back to talk about the progress and what had happened during the time that uh, they were working together and what changes are already starting to occur in some of these businesses with a view, of course, to making them either more easily managed or more valuable as far as an exit or easier for the, the business owner to exit down the road. So once again, that is uh, your exit squad. If you go to your you can subscribe over there. And, um, and it's like really, Really exciting stuff over there. So um, what else do I have on my list here? So that was the Christmas Eve special. And I already mentioned, unfortunately, Connor is ill today. We'll have him back after Christmas. Holiday chats. So if you're on the email list, you will know that I've been promoting the holiday chat 2022 feature. And for those of you who don't know what, what holiday chat is, is every year in the fall, I make a bunch of one hour consulting calls available at like 70% off the regular price. So instead of $250 to talk with me for an hour, it's only 75. And the catch is that we record the calls and that I make them available to my audience. So starting on Saturday, Christmas Eve, the 24th, the people on my email list are going to start getting every day an email that is going to have um, a link to one of these holiday chat calls and eight of them have been recorded. Two of them are being recorded this week. There's going to be 10 in all. Um, if you're not on my email list, if you go to davidcbarnettlist.com, you can sign up. Um, you will get to enjoy these over the holiday season. And this is 
something I thought of doing years ago. I think this is the fifth year I've done this. Um, the whole idea is that I get to take a break over the Christmas holidays because I, now that I've done all the work recording these, they get released one every day. If you're not on the email list, you don't get to see them. They're not released publicly on YouTube or on the audio feed until next summer. Uh, I will put them out on Fridays. So if you've, if you've just joined my audience sometime here in the last year, you might have seen some of these calls come out over the summer on YouTube. Um, but if you want to hear them fresh, you need to be on my email list, which you can get on at davidcbarnettlist.com. The people on the email list also get first shot at, at booking these calls too. So by the time I mentioned it to the people on YouTube, there are already half of these spots have been taken by people that are on my email list. So it pays to be on the email list. And so there's some really great calls in there. I'll tell you, um, there's some people in there who are looking forward to help with decisions on how to buy a business. There are people in there looking for me to confirm what they thought about a business that they're going to buy. There are people who recorded calls with me who bought a business and now are in some kind of trouble. And there's a bit of a crisis that has to be managed. So that got recorded too. Uh, even a guy who has submitted over 30 LOIs and had several of them accepted yet still has not bought a business and was calling me to figure out what on earth is going wrong with his, his system or his methodology. And then we have someone who is struggling to manage a business that has been in decline um, and was looking for me to give him some ideas about how he can improve his business. So eight amazing calls, two more being recorded this week, but they're going to start being released on Saturday, one every day. With the exception of next Wednesday, we're going to have a regular Wednesday video that's going to come out. So, so thank you. So that's all of the all the promo and stuff. Um, and uh, comments are coming in. Good, nice that people have joined me live. So let me hit some of these questions that you guys had uh, had put in here. So there's a question here from Nicholas. Um, and he had submitted this question by Twitter. Uh, every once in a while, I'll ask on Twitter, "Hey, do you guys have any ideas for any videos that I should uh, that I should you know create?" And there's my Twitter handle, uh, D Barnett Moncton is my Twitter handle. If you're on Twitter and you want to follow me, um, Nicholas suggested, "How about a piece about operating and consolidating markets? How to manage your business if aggregators come in and roll up companies? Uh, feared competition or newbies doomed to collapse? Question mark. New attractive exit opportunity, potential to partner? Question. So he wants me to talk about what to do if you're in an industry, I'm guessing, and some new entrants come in and start rolling up companies. Well, it's a change of the competitive landscape. There's a, an exit planning course that I teach, and um, which you can find over at howtosellmyownbusiness.com. It's all the stuff in there for sellers. But I one of the questions I ask is, is there consolidation going on in your industry? Because if there is, it can create a pathway for your exit. Now, from Nicholas's question, though, it would seem that he's talking about reaction to news that someone starts rolling up in your industry. And I thought it was a great question because I very often talk with people or get questions from people who have not bought a business yet. And for people who are buying a business, it's very easy for you to see this as an asset because that's the way you're approaching it from, from the buyer's point of view. You're saying, oh, there's a business. It makes cash flow. I would like to buy that business. Uh, if it goes up in value, maybe I'll sell it, et cetera. Um, but I can tell you that 
working with people who own and run businesses, especially people who are owner managers of their businesses, um, if you go there to work every day and you're trying to plan your own personal life as in retirement, family, all that kind of stuff, and you have your business, which you're also managing and planning the future of the business, <clears throat> you may know that one day you're going to sell. But if somebody knocks on your door and wants to buy your business like eight or 10 years before you ever thought you were going to sell it, it may not be such a good thing. Let me explain what I mean. Um, I have worked with people before who have had an opportunity to sell a business and the price they were going to get was really great. And so they thought this is the time to exit. And so they exited and they got the money. Um, but a lot of the times when we're talking about main street, small businesses, we're talking about multiples of cash flow that create, you know, of, of like two to, you know, two, two and a half times cash flow for your exit price. Oftentimes this is not enough money to retire forever because for a lot of these small businesses, that's not millions and millions of dollars. Right. And so I've had several people who have exited because they had a really great opportunity to exit and they weren't sure if such a great opportunity would come along again. They did the deal, got the money, but then they were middle-aged people with no income. And the idea that, hey, I'll have all this money, I can just buy something else. Well, you could do that. But the problem is, is that as we know from doing any deal, whether you're buying or selling, it's difficult to dictate a timeline, um, especially if you're not willing to move, for instance, right? Somebody who's searching for a business over the course, over the, the breadth of a whole country is going to have a lot more opportunities to do a deal more quickly than someone who is stuck in a particular geography because of, uh, you know, spouse's employment or children in school or, or anything like that that might be anchoring you to one particular place. And so, um, I, I just wanted to bring that up because um, this idea that you're you're always going to be like trading and you know buying and selling, um, in my experience, it doesn't really work out that way. People become pretty cemented in their position as the owner manager of a lot of these businesses, and when they decide to exit, it's usually because they've actually arrived at the point that they're being pushed by one of the five big personal motivators that are the reasons that most people want to sell a small or medium sized business. And that these are <clears throat> burnout, fatigue, and boredom, divorce, poor health, the need to relocate or retirement. So four of those are unplanned for one of them is planned for. Those are the reasons why people typically put up a business for sale because the price of these small businesses tends to be relatively low. And so because the price of the business tends to be relatively low, I always tell people that the, the big pot of gold in small business ownership is not in the exit. Like it might be for someone like one of these Silicon Valley entrepreneurs, right? Who has this explosively growing business or whatever. The, the pot of gold in owning the business is in the operations. So while you own the business, you want to make it as successful as possible to have as much profit as possible to take as much money off the table as you can so that you can do all the things that everyone else who works for a living in a job does to plan for their future. So you can have retirement savings, you can have, you know, investment vehicles and all that kind of thing. Because even though people plan on selling their business, there's a great stat that uh, Mike Finger likes to use, 80 
80% of uh, small business owners plan on the sale of their business being a significant portion of their retirement funds, but only 20% of businesses listed for sale ever sell. So that's the reality. Make money today. Don't worry about the exit. If an opportunity comes to get out of your business, I would say, think about what you're going to do next before you take the opportunity. Because if you sell your business 10 years earlier than you plan on and you exit at a 3x multiple, what are you going to do for the other seven years of income? Right? It may make sense to not sell, to run it for the other 10 years and then sell under worse circumstances after 10 years because you will have that decade of earnings of cash flow coming in that you can then use for your other, you know, sort of retirement planning things, right? Anyway, um, guys, comments coming in like crazy. That's awesome. So Matt Carter says, same can be true for HR experts, lots of pieces to buy. Um, good, good point there, Matt. Um, so another question I had, <clears throat> and I get these a lot, guys. Hi, David. Can you make a review of, and I'm not going to say the name, of this person's buy a small business program? And the answer is no. I can't review programs I haven't done. Um, I'm not going to comment on anyone else online that has a program if I haven't been able to go through the program. Um, that being said, one of the people that's coming for my Christmas Eve special has a new program coming out and they just invited me to come in and be a student and to check it out. So, um, once I do that, I will be giving you guys a review. So I'm more than happy to do that for people, uh, especially people that I, that I know and, and who I respect and who I know are, are good at what they do. Um, we got a question here from credit, credit tricks, credit hacks. Uh, is a YouTube channel, I guess, um, who was watching my video, 19 Ways Brokers and Sellers Overpriced Small Businesses, says, David, can you please point me to your video that talks about a business having a certain amount of money in their bank account and the owners do not take the money out prior to the sale, but leave it in the company for the new owner? Okay. I, I don't know if I specifically have a video about that, but what you're describing is you're describing a share sale with a certain amount of operating capital left behind in the business. And um, I did make a video about asset versus share sales before, and there's a module in my business buyer adventure or business buyer advantage, uh, online course, uh, which talks about net normal position and working capital when you buy a business and share deals that's over at businessbuyeradvantage.com. So if you're buying the shares of a company, <clears throat> you can detail what the company looks like on the, on closing day. So typically what we say is that the company will come with a net current account balance of a certain amount. And then I like to define what net current account balance means. So it's cash inventory and other short-term assets minus, you know, the current liabilities. And so you want to have a certain amount of operating capital in there. So you're buying a capitalized company and if the inventory or the receivables, for example, are too low to meet that target number, then a seller could simply leave cash in the bank account. And because you're buying the shares of the company, that company owns that bank account at a certain bank. When you come in as the new owner, the company still owns that bank account. So if there's money there in that bank account, then it becomes, it's, it's 
still the companies. You are now the owner. What would happen there after closing is that you and the seller go to the bank and you sign cards and things that change the authority on the bank account from the seller to yourself. A lot of small business deals are done as an asset sale in which things like bank accounts can't be transferred over because the bank account belongs to the legal entity that now is selling its equipment and inventory to the buyer's legal entity. And so you can't transfer a bank account in that in that type of deal structure. Um, but you can still make an adjustment for operating capital. And in fact, most people who do an asset purchase who fail to make an operating capital adjustment end up overpaying for the business. It's just that the adjustment ends up being an adjustment in the price usually. Instead of asking the seller, hey, can you leave 30 grand in the bank account? You just simply offer them 30 grand less. So you have 30 grand of your own money to put into your company's bank account uh, for your operating capital needs. When, when you're buying a business as an asset sale, whatever money you lay out to the seller or to invest in your own company, this is all of the investment that you are making to acquire the cash flow. And in some instances, you're making payments to other people. So one of, you know, I've made videos before about uh, like franchise restaurants where in order for the franchise to change hands, the, the location has to be updated as far as its look and feel. And so I've, I've explained that if you're paying the seller some money and then you're paying money to a contractor to do renovations, the entirety of all that money is your investment for the cash flow. And so it, it affects the seller in a big negative way because what buyers will want to do is they'll say, well, if your business is worth this, but I got to pay this amount to uh, a contractor to do the upgrades, then I'm only willing to pay you this amount of money. If you can see my hands waving around and understand my, my visual, my visual aids here. Uh, Richard's telling me to rock and roll, man. That's awesome. Thank you. Um, good to see so many people joining me here live. Um, let me see. What's the next one I've got in here. So Oso Savage was also watching the video I made 19 ways brokers and sellers overpriced small businesses and asked, what are those databases for sold businesses that you are talking about? So um, in the world of small business acquisition, buy, sell, the world uh, that business brokers work in, uh, there are private databases of transactions where you can actually look up and see what other businesses have sold for and they're anonymous. So you'll just see like restaurants, you'll see what their revenue is. You might have a little bit of a description. So you might see like a, uh, Italian restaurant steakhouse versus a pizzeria, that kind of thing. And you can see what they, what the profitability was and you can see what they sold for as a multiple of their seller's discretionary earnings or what they sold for as a factor of their, of their revenue, et cetera. And some of the big ones, there's one called deal stats. There's one called biz comps. There's another one called IBA um, sales data um, and they cost money to subscribe to. So some business brokers can get free access to them by submitting data points. So when I was a broker, whenever I did a deal, I would fill in a, a sheet with the information about the deal and submit it to the database. And they would give me like a month of free access for every deal I submitted or something like that. Now that I'm no longer a broker, I have to pay. So some of these are thousands of dollars a year. Um, but the data is invaluable if you're going to be working in this space just to, to look up and see what other people have been paying. Um, knowing what others have paid for 
for a business gives you insight into the risk that that buyer saw in the business. So you can have two different businesses, both with the same cash flow, like $100,000 discretionary earnings. Um, but if you look up septic pumping businesses with $100,000 of SDE versus restaurants with $100,000 of SDE, the septic companies will sell for a lot higher multiple of SDE because they're seen as a less risky business, which just makes sense. Less competition, greater barriers to entry, got to buy the big truck, that kind of thing. Uh, restaurants, you know, discretionary spending, lots of competition, fewer barriers to entry, um, all kinds of reasons why restaurants are more risky, right? Um, let me take a little moment here to, to run a clip for today's video sponsor, Mark Willis. Special thanks go to today's video sponsor, Mark Willis of Lake Growth Financial. Mark helps people better manage their personal wealth and business finances through the bank on yourself insurance strategy. This is something I've done personally and I've gotten lots of positive feedback from people I've worked with over the years. Go to newbankingsolution.com to find a playlist of all the interviews I've done with Mark and to learn more about the advantages of these programs. While there, sign up to arrange a conversation about what this solution might look like for you. Awesome. All right. Um, another question here from uh, Knucklehead, uh, another YouTube handle. Um, was watching a video I did called Change the Terms of Sale and uh, asked the question, do business prices go down in a recession? And I, I've made a few videos about businesses and business pricing and recessions before. Um, <clears throat> but I think it's worth mentioning. I think it's worth recapping here now because this is what's in the news all the time. Now we're starting to hear about layoffs and stuff like that. So here's the answer is that business pricing tends to remain constant all the time throughout history as a function of discretionary cash flow. So if it was a, a, a business that businesses tend to sell for 2.1 times SDE, they tend to always sell for 2.1 times SDE. But in a recession, if the sales of a business goes down and the earnings go down, then you're multiplying a lower number, right? And so then ultimately the price of the business would go down. So this then leads to a, a question on the seller's part is, do I want to be selling my business when I'm showing these reduced results? Back when I was a broker from, uh, the, from 2008 until 2011, I, it was the great financial crisis. And so what would happen is I'd have these business owners come in and talk with us and we would show them what their business might be able to sell for. And it was pretty easy to see that a year or two earlier, their profitability was higher. And so the sellers had to make a decision. Do I want to sell in this market right now with my val business value being depressed? Or do I want to wait and pull through to the other side and have the business recover and then sell? Right. And so that leads to the question of motivation. How motivated is the seller? Earlier today in this show, I said, what are the five reasons why people sell a small business? Burnout, boredom and fatigue, divorce, poor health, the need to relocate, retirement. Of all those reasons, one is planned for. And I would also argue that retirement is the least motivating. 
because people that are actually planning for retirement usually start to plan for retirement a couple of years before they're retiring. And I've met many people, you know, 60 years old, 63 years old, what have you saying, oh, I want to get ready for retirement. What's my business worth? And if you could show them that by hanging on for a couple more years and, and maybe improving the performance that they would get a lot more money, those people would because they don't need to retire. Like, you know, you might have a goal of retiring at a certain point, but let's face it, if you wanted to retire at 65 and but you needed to work to 67, eh, you probably would, right? And so the question then is, um, what about those other motivating factors? Burnout, boredom and fatigue, divorce, poor health and need to relocate. Well, if one of those things happens, then yeah, people are gonna continue forth with the selling of the business. And if the results and performance have declined, then the business is going to have a lower selling price because the multiplier is going to be applied to a lower number. The question then is, is really how well do these sellers understand what the position in the market is? We just went through this with the, the whole COVID period, right? Where people who were trying to sell a business immediately after a bad COVID year were like, hey, uh, I want to sell based on pre-COVID. And we would say, well, you don't know yet if the business will recover. Some people were doing deals. Some people were doing deals that were contingent upon the business recovering to a certain point. You could do that. You could try to do that. But if a seller needs to sell, if there's a if their doctor told them they're ill, if they have to move, if they're getting a divorce and their family circumstances dictate that they can't run the business anymore, then they're going to go into the market and they're going to put it up for sale. And if they meet the right broker who sets their expectations, they're going to understand that they are going to have to be accepting a, a price in line with what the business's cash flow is, right? Now, here's the other thing that happens in a recession. We're hearing about all these layoffs, all these Silicon Valley people getting laid off. A lot of them had pretty good jobs, pretty good incomes. And so what ends up happening is a lot of other people enter the market who don't have a job anymore, but they may actually be sitting on a good lump of money. And so it can actually become more competitive on the buyer side because people will look at business acquisition as an alternative to seeking employment. That being said, every business is unique. Every circumstance is unique. And even if the whole country is in a recession, there's going to be certain areas or certain industries that are not really going to be affected by that. So, it really is a, a, a case of looking at every individual circumstance. Anyway, hope that it, that uh, answers your question a little bit. Guys, I've had a lot of fun today. Too bad Connor wasn't able to join us because he's sick. Um, but um, I hope to see you guys on Friday where I'll be spending the whole afternoon with my Christmas Eve special guests. Like I said, uh, Giuseppe Grammatico, Henry Lopez, Mark Willis, Mark Mawini, Rocky Lalvani, Mike Finger, Ted Leverett, and Rick Nicholson are going to be joining me in the afternoon. And um, yeah, that's it. Have a good one, guys. I'll see you later. So how can you learn more about buying, selling, financing, and managing small and medium-sized businesses? Easy. Head over to my blog site at davidcbarnett.com. You'll find hundreds of articles and videos all for free. 
You'll find links to my books and online courses, and you can sign up for my email list and get emails covering topics that interest you and be notified of new videos. This episode of Small Business and Deal Making is brought to you by smbpodcastnetwork.com. The network is a collection of podcasts and shows from around the internet, which focus on bringing you interviews with amazing guests who share actionable advice, ideas, and information for small and medium-sized business owners and entrepreneurs. Visit www.smbpodcastnetwork.com to find more great shows and easily subscribe to be notified of new episodes. It's a great way to discover quality content. And if you've discovered us today via the network, then I hope you're enjoying the show and will consider subscribing directly so you never miss any one of our great episodes.